What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest, the one, the only, Chris Gethin. How are you, man? I'm pretty good. I am uh, just finished my cardio, so the brain is functioning. I had my bulletproof coffee. I'm ready to rock and roll. What did you uh, do for cardio? Uh, I, I've got a curved treadmill uh, downstairs in the, in a garage or garage, as you'd say over here. And uh, I've also got a watt bike. So I generally hit some interval work and I just go back and forth between, between the two. And would you have you in your bulletproof coffee? I had everything other than the butter. I, I've, I've been probably uh, blessed, uh, as my girlfriend says, by never liking butter. But I've had the, I put the collagen and the, the caprylic acid, the C8, in there along with, uh, you know, dependent on how I feel that that morning, I'll either have like a strong coffee company or a Keon coffee or, um, you know, the bulletproof coffee, something along the lines of that that's a mitotoxin free and my collagen and I'm good to go. But sometimes uh, I'll have just a, a, a dairy free creamer in there. So uh, it all depends how I feel that morning. I'm very instinctive. Can you tell the difference with the Keon coffee? I've looked at it, but I've never tried it. Uh, well, you know, if, if, if you look at like, uh, you know, uh, Ben Greenfield over there has put that product through a lot of studies. Um, and he, he tested his along with about a hundred others and he published it on one of his podcasts, um, probably I'd say about two months ago and his pretty much came out on top with every test manageable, you know, in regards to the mm -hmm. highest polyphenols and, uh, you know, no mold spores, mitotoxins or anything like that. So it's pretty good. You know, I, I, uh, I do venture to say that I'll use that with my coffee enemas as well. Uh, because I know that, you know, I want, I don't want to be putting any folgers up there. So, uh, I'll, uh, I, I drink it every now and again and, um, it, it's, it's a good coffee. Nice. I'm going to have to try me some. It's, is it tastes pretty good. Yeah, it tastes good. You know, it's probably a little bit on the stronger side for me. I do like a weaker, uh, tasting coffee, but it is good. It is good. Nice. Nice. Well, listen, man, we were kind of, before we start recording, just talking about some of your past history, what, what brought you to this point, but give the audience and give myself kind of some more details on what brought you into the, the health and nutrition space. I mean, you've got quite a wild ride as far as like what you've been doing with bodybuilding.com with your own program, your own branding. So just kind of give us some insight. Sure thing. Uh, yeah, the funny accent that I've got is from Wales. I uh, was born and bred on a farm in Wales, uh, not as one of the animals, but um, uh, I've, I got into fitness by way of uh, injuries. I raced uh, motocross for about 14, 15 years. And uh, eventually it took its toll. I was spending more time in the hospital than I was on a racetrack. And I you know, got myself quite a severe curvature of the spine. The majority of the corners on a motocross track are, uh, I'd say, I think they say about 75, 80% of right hand corners. And just over time, it just shifted my back out. And uh, I went to a lot of specialists, osteopaths, massage therapists, you know, physio, everything. And it wasn't until I started actually doing resistance training that he alleviated uh, me of the pain uh, that I was dealing with in, in my back. And uh, when I started looking into it and studying it, I found that I was able to quickly retain this content because it was something that interested me. I hated school. So I flunked at school and, uh, you know, I, I wasn't able to retain that content. So I decided to pursue that passion and uh, go to college for several years uh, to study it. And uh, then um, I used that as my ticket to get out of Wales where I could change my social circumstances. And I went and worked on cruise liners as a massage therapist because I had my massage qualifications and a personal trainer, which then took me to Australia and I had a gym there. For several years, um, I was mobile personal training, then had a, saved up for a gym. And then whilst I was in that gym, I thought, well, I want to reach out to more people. How can I do that? I know I'll teach myself how to write. So I think it was Miriam Webster's, uh, one of Miriam Webster's books that I picked up to learn how to uh, create and grammatical and journalistic writing. And started submitting them to publications until you know somebody decided to give me a chance. And then it kind of snowballed from there. And then I gave up everything to move to the Mecca, Venice, California, 
because my dream was to write for Weeda Publications. So I moved over there and I started personal training at a Gold's Gym, submitting content until I was uh, about six months later, I got myself a writer's and photographer's contract because I taught myself uh, photography at that time as well, which is relatively easy with, uh, you know, digital cameras now today. And uh, as long as you've got a good eye for it, uh, I found that I was able to better sell my content if I had imagery of the bodybuilder, of the subject, whoever that I was uh, writing about. So I did that for several years. Uh, but then I kind of you know, felt like I was being a little bit betrayed when the, your photos would be photoshopped or they'd ask for them to be photoshopped. And, uh, you know, your content would be edited, but where I wanted something, you know, real and raw. And uh, mm -hmm. so that's when I decided I'd produce my own publication, which was called Caged Muscle. So I uh, produced that for a couple of years. And then that caught the attention of the founder of Ryan DeLuca, of uh, the founder of Bodybuilding.com, Ryan DeLuca, uh, to bring me up to Boise, where I am now for a meeting uh, to see if I'd be interested in being their editor-in-chief. And this is going back in 2000, end of 2006, start of 2007. So uh, I moved to Boise and I was the editor-in-chief for several years at bodybuilding.com. And uh, then I decided to move away at 2010 because uh, I had an opportunity to go and train uh, a lot of Bollywood stars in India. And I thought, yeah, let's. I, I'd, I'd like a different adventure. So lived over there for several years and did that. And then I, um, myself and my business partner just started up a gym franchise over there called uh, Chris Gethin Gyms. And uh, around that time, this is going back in 2013, 2014, uh, I started working with a couple of people, one being Brian Rand, who I believe is like the best formulator out there. He's fantastic. Uh, we created a supplement line called Caged Muscle. And uh, so, uh, you know, that's that's kind of propelled itself relatively fast. So, you know, we're in a, a lot of major, major distribution channels. And the idea behind that was to kind of merge the health sector with a sports supplement sector, and, you know, bring out products that are you know, third-party tested, patented, organic, fermented ingredients, and no, you know, artificial uh, flavors or colors, et cetera. So, that kind of brings me up to date, I'd say, on the business front of uh, you know what I've been up to and how it got me into the the fitness industry. Man, I feel like I could legitimately have an entire podcast on each of your separate moves alone because that's a, quite the the whirlwind. I mean, from a farm in Wales to to where you are now, it's it's <laughs> pretty pretty drastic change, man. Yeah, and a, and a lot of things happened during that time. So, you know, when people say, God, that time went quick, it did go quick. So, you know, I have to learn to be a little bit more present now to slow things down because uh, mm -hmm. I, I keep myself very busy. And I like to say I, I don't want to think too much because it makes me think too much. So I like to be distracted. I want to I want to get into your head for a second, man. What what's what do you think was inside of you when you were in Wales? Like, how, how old were you when you moved from Wales? Oh, uh, God, what would I have been? If I, I was, so I would have been about 25 years old when I left Wales, or 24, 24, I'd say, yeah. And uh, and did you have like an entrepreneurial spirit then? Like what made you want to break free of the, the you know, path that you would, you know, quote unquote, be destined to go to and had you stayed in Wales? Well, it was, both, it was two things. It was like I did have an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, I, I never really liked working for anybody. I'd be faced with confrontations several times, and I just didn't like it. Didn't really like being told what to do. Sometimes, I, you know, I love my fiance telling me what to do, uh, but that's pretty much it. And I, I'd say it was the frustration because, you know, at, at that time, I'd I, I wanted to attach myself to something. I didn't know what my purpose was. And then when I realized it was like the bodybuilding, um, I needed to, to get away from my social circumstances because I was partying, I was doing drugs, I was drinking alcohol because I'd raced motocross for so many years and I lived off adrenaline. And when I didn't have that adrenaline, you sometimes you seek it elsewhere and it's not always going to be the right path. So uh, that was definitely a motivational uh, purpose behind it and finding my purpose, I guess. You know, when I felt good, 
from weight training. I was alleviated of the stress in my back, the depression, the partying. It gave me something to hold on to, which could have quickly turned into a, a white knuckle ride of life. So uh, I always keep my pivotal foot in the gym. I do venture out into other things, but that keeps the discipline intact. And, uh, you know, it's quite easy to lose go of it in its entirety if if I don't get to the gym. That's my therapeutic value. And I can totally relate with you there, man. There's There's been several times in my life personally where if everything else is just going to hell, as long as I've been able to consistently keep my training up, I feel like I've at least got a solid hold on something and then I can regain my composure and move forward again. But, you know, bodybuilders get a, a bad rap for a lot of different reasons, but I don't know too many successful business people that also had a history from bodybuilding where they couldn't find the parallels. And that's partly the reason they are successful in business and their other endeavors, because like the, the skill set and the, the, the discipline and the mentality you gain from being that strict with your nutrition, your training is like, I mean, that, that, that's what, carries over into other aspects of your life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of people get into weight training so they can get into bodybuilding. Uh, but I got into bodybuilding so I could weight train. You know, I just love it. You know, you see a lot of people when they retire from bodybuilding, they just kind of shrivel up and, uh, you know, they, they stop training. Uh, that's definitely not me. I gave up. I, I, I was a natural bodybuilder from 2000, uh, sorry, 99 to 2009, and that I retired from bodybuilding, you know, competition bodybuilding, I should say, because uh, I didn't really like that aspect as much, you know, the, the dieting down, putting the tan on and posing on stage and being in front of people. Back then, I was a little bit more reluctant to stand up in front of a crowd, uh, especially mm -hmm. in posing pants, uh, but I just loved that sense of urgency. You'd go to what, you know, you'd put a show on a calendar. I'd only compete like once or twice a year maximum. Uh, but that give you a sense of urgency and purpose behind your training to keep you on track. You know, if you can find another sport that uh, alleviates your itch, yeah, then you go for that. And I think it's, it is healthy to have something like that within yourself because, again, it, it does give you another sense of purpose. And, you know, that's what we're here for, you know, on this earth. We have to have purpose if uh, you know the the universe sees that there's no purpose left in us, then uh, they they can get rid of us a little bit before our time, and uh, I don't I don't want that anytime soon. Yeah, having having some sense of purpose or having a legacy you're striving to leave. I mean, that's that's key, man. I mean, once I started a business and and kind of found my calling in life, there's like something worth living for. And people that don't have that or don't know what that is for them yet, they need to spend every waking moment of their life looking for it until they find it because otherwise they're just they're not even living yeah yeah for sure you know it's very easy for us to kind of look down upon somebody because they are just getting by their living but they should be encouraged just to get out their head instead of being distracted all the time by the phone by the device by a book uh you know it, and, and just go out there into the hills and just listen to your own words of wisdom because with all this distraction that we have today, we don't allow that to happen. And that, that sometimes that's where you'll have your aha and light, light bulb moments. Absolutely. I want to dive into like your training and nutritional protocol a little bit because, I mean, I'm sure it's changed over the years as you've implemented new techniques. But I mean, you're obviously jacked. I'll have to put a picture on the show notes here because, I mean, you're, you got muscles coming out everywhere, man. So what, what have you done that's worked well for you a lot of people i think overthink resistance training and there's definitely a lot of technique to it but i feel like a lot of people let that uh, paralysis analysis kick in and they just don't act so kind of flesh out some of the things that that you've found to work really well for yourself yeah well i am definitely a student of learning and i'll utilize myself as that guinea pig uh but i'm more so a student of application and I think a lot of people, like you said, they discuss and analyze and break things down a little bit too much. And I'm like, man, by the time you've had this conversation, I could have got out there and done it. So I do like mm -hmm. to go out there and just throw myself into the pit of pain. And uh, if it works, great. I'll apply it and put that back in my back pocket. If not, just like a chapter in a book, I'll debunk it, but I'll keep the rest. Um, and what I've, you know, I used to do the very low repetition hit style training. I'm quite good friends with uh, Dorian Yates and I've been for many years. So I naturally applied that protocol. 
And I, yeah, I did get gains from it. Uh, but, you know, I, I was putting more as much stress onto my joints, onto my back, onto my knees, um, and not really getting the adequate therapeutic value from the weight training that I wanted, that I was seeking, because I was dealing with some sort of inflammation or niggling injuries. And uh, what I decided to do was be, until I could either, I came to a crossroads, I could either stop training to allow the alleviation of the inflammation, or I could train around it. So I decided to go very, very high reps. And I mean like 50 reps with a lot of intensity, so very short rest periods and just burn the muscle out that way. So I didn't have to deal with the inflammation in the tendons, ligaments, joints, etc. But I was still able to get my therapy. And what I found was I started getting better development from the muscles. You know, some, you know, let's say at one week I was doing like 50 reps to failure. Once that felt comfortable, then I'd increase the weights and do 40 reps to failure. Then when that felt comfortable, I'd go 30 reps to failure. But I'd always start at like the 50 just to warm things up. Uh, so that's when I started employing a little bit higher uh, volume. And as I got better, I'd go back down to the 10 repetitions. But I'd do like the 50 and 10 repetition kind of pyramid up and down all in one workout. Uh, and I just found that I got much better development from that. And, uh, you know, I was leaning out as well because I guess I was just going through a lot of calories during these sessions. So that's kind of what I started to employ. You know, I, I change things up, but I keep things very, very simplistic. Every now and again, I'll add bands to a machine uh, to take the load off, let's say, at the bottom of a hack squat. Um I actually did blood constricted training for the very first time, like two weeks ago with uh, Mark Dugdale. So I don't venture too much into yeah. experimental phases. I keep it very simplistic. You think Dorian Yates, Ronnie Coleman, Branch Rowan, Jay Cutler, Arnold Schwarzenegger, they all did simple, basic exercises with the addition of some techniques uh, via isolation movements and contractions, et cetera. And uh, that's pretty much how I'll keep it. I'll train five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'll take the weekends off because it's just easier with my schedule to do it that way. And I get to spend more time with my fiance as opposed to spending the weekends in the gym. And it's easier with my business as well. And with my dietary protocol, that changes as well. So when I was doing a lot of endurance work a couple of years ago, um, I was toying with utilizing both ketones and uh, glycogen as my energy source. And then last year, um, so, you know, I, I was participating in ultra marathons, Ironman events, uh, Spartan, et cetera, whilst still training like a bodybuilder. And uh, then last year, I decided uh, just to focus the majority of my time on endurance work. And I started following like a cyclical keto diet. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to toy, I, I, I'm juggling, I should say, with the ideal ideology of being a bodybuilder, but trying to improve my health span as well. And I know they can counteract each other because if I'm eating frequently and I'm eating high, uh, uh, high carbohydrate diet, then I'm signaling inflammation, mTOR pathway, IGF-1, which isn't good for longevity. So uh, I started doing a, some intermittent fasting last year, and I was following a cyclical uh, keto diet as well. And uh, I found that very, very beneficial for my inflammatory responders, you know, through blood reports, food allergy tests, etc. Uh, so I, I've, I've been bouncing with that quite a lot, you know, with the fasting. Sometimes on a weekend, I'll just, you know, instinctively say, okay, I'm going I'm to fast this weekend. And uh, I'll, 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 I'm, I'm very an instinctive person when it comes to weight training, and I'm a very instinctive person when it comes to my diet as well. Like yesterday, I was supposed to do shoulders, I did legs. The day before that, I was supposed to do legs, but I did shoulders. You know, I'll just change things up, dependent on how I feel. I'll quantify my sleep. So if I, my sleep cycle wasn't as good as I hoped, then I'll either take a day off or choose a smaller muscle group uh, more often than not. Uh, but it all de all depends how my recovery is. I rec I always prioritize my recovery because that's always going to dictate my performance. So with uh, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit here. You're talking about increasing the the rep scheme 
on your your training, keeping the the workouts relatively simple, which I totally am in favor of, as opposed to trying to overcomplicate things. With you doing you know fifty or forty reps for a given exercise, are you doing fewer exercises in a workout? Like if you're doing like back, for instance, are you doing you know three or four different exercises with higher reps per set, or are you doing several exercises? Yeah, it's usually it's usually just a couple a couple of exercises if I'm doing very high reps. So I, I kind of put a stamp of a name on it, and I, that was DTP, which is Dramatic uh, Transformation Principle. So as an example, let's say we're hitting uh, biceps. So I could just grab a barbell and do 50 reps to absolute failure. Then I'll increase the weight and do 40s of failure, then 30, then 20, then 10. And then once I've reached 10, I'm like, okay, now it's time to go back down. I'll either continue with that barbell or I could do a preacher curl or a cable curl. And then I'll do 10 reps again and then decrease the weight and go 20 and 30 and then 40, finishing at 50. And that'll be biceps done, completely done. Sometimes I'll superset that with uh, triceps. Um, and, uh, the reasoning behind that, for instance, you know, if you're doing a cable curl, a preacher curl, a dumbbell curl, it's all relatively similar. You know, the bicep is a very, mm -hmm. you know, simple muscle. However, when it comes to the back, it's a little bit more complex. So maybe I'd choose a, a couple more exercises uh, there. Like with chest, it's very simplistic. Legs, hamstrings and quads, you know, very simplistic. So, um, you know, there'll be less exercises there as opposed to a complex muscle group. But I'll always try to tap into both my type one, my type two A and type two B muscle fibers in one session. And when I'm going higher reps, the brain is usually telling you, okay, take a long rest between these sets because you're dealing with the burn, the lactic acid buildup, you know, it's a lot of time under tension, but I'll always shorten the rest periods there because I'm trying to promote sarcoplasmic hypotrophy Whereas if I'm on the lower repetitions, uh, let's say I'm doing 10 repetitions and I've got to repeat the next set with 10 repetitions, I'll take a several minutes rest because I'm relying then, then on my ATP and uh, my glycolytic uh, energy sources. And I know it's going to take a while for my ATP to replenish itself uh, for me to target uh, my fibular hypotrophy. So uh, the rest periods change dependence on the reps as well. I'm curious, have you ever gotten like a like a full-blown genetic panel done and looked to see what you're most likely predisposed to as far as like endurance training versus like a you know sprint type training? Uh well, I'm a, a bit of a I'm a bit of both. I'm not really good at either. <laughs> I'm a little bit, you know, I've, yeah. I I haven't really delved into it too deeply. You know, I've done various tests like, you know, the 23 and me, uh but nothing I'm done a biopsy or anything uh that in depth. Interesting, interesting. So kind of going back down the list of what you were reading off earlier as far as like your nutrition and kind of what you've done to change things there, you mentioned that you were doing cyclical keto. Yeah. Um, what what have you noticed? Like how, how are you structuring that? Like are you doing uh, like a, a timed carb, you know, day or a carb meal yeah. or a carb week or how often are you incorporating it? Yeah, I would just do it in the evening. So I just have uh, some carbohydrates in the evening, you know, that could be – you know, rice, it could be oats with some fruits uh, that, you know, that's pretty much it. I'd just, ha I'd like fast during the day. So I'd break my fast, say like two, three, four o'clock, dependent how, how I am on that particular day. And then I'd either have two to three meals uh, during that eating uh, window. And generally I'd go higher fats uh, for the first one or two meals. You know, my olive oil, avocado, you know, there's a very nice olive oil that I have from a company called Grove and Vine. And the gentleman who actually supplies that, he'll bring it in from the southern or northern hemisphere, dependent on the season. So by the time it gets to you, it's, it's, it's within three months of that harvest. It's a very, very nice olive oil. So I use that on everything. Wow. Use that on everything. And obviously avocados, cashews um you know in the morning it, yeah actually i don't fast completely so i will have a coffee in the morning with some c8 in there uh some you know brain oh, like a fat fast so yeah exactly exactly and uh yeah so i'll find that like if i have my carbohydrates in the evening um it just helps me sleep better so, you know, releasing mm -hmm. my, my serotonin. So I'll, I'll just have my, uh, my carbohydrates in the evening. 
And that's, you know, what will pretty much knock me out. But by the time I've woken up, I'm back in ketosis again. Do you do anything else manipulation wise as far as sleep is concerned? I've been taking a keen interest towards sleep lately because mine's been less than optimal. So I'm using like an aura ring to track all my data. You you track any of that? Yeah, I, I use an aura ring as well. It's uh, quite obsessive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, man. It's it's uh, I could just wake up and I know if I've slept well or not, but it's interesting to see what the actual data shows. Yeah, and more often than not, whatever you assume the data is pretty much spot on. You know if you've had a good night's sleep or not, and it'll tell you that as well. So I, I like the accuracy of it. I was just at the FitCon convention just last week. It's funny. It was, a, it was, it was like a collide of worlds because in one section, I'm there with Darnalyn Bailey, Jay Cutler, talking to all these guys. But then at, at the FitCon, then at the FitCon Summit, I'm there with Sean Wells, Ben Greenfield, William Wallace, all, all these guys. And uh, Marxism, mm -hmm. and it's quite a, a contrast, but I, I love both of them and merging them both. But when we were in that FitCon Summit, we, there was about, I don't know, seven or eight of us sat down. And then my fiance just said, hold on, is that an aura ring? Is that an aura ring? Every single one of us swimming an aura ring without us knowing. We were kind of geek, yeah. geeking out in there. No, I but, it's, uh, it's awesome, man. Technology's come that far. Yeah, it's great. It's great. But the things that I do, you know, it, it's, it's, no secret, I don't think, but I'll always do some hot and cold thermogenesis. So I'll get in my sauna. I've got a, a what's called a clear light infrared sauna outside, and I'll jump in there for about 20, 25 minutes, and I'll have a cold shower after. Um, I'll, you know, when I sleep, I sleep with socks on because I'm trying to uh, take, you know, the, the heat, keep my feet warm, the extremities warm. And, uh, you know, try to keep the core a, a little bit cooler, uh, so to speak. I just find that helps a little bit. There's a very supplementation protocol that I'll take. I'm taking some red tart cherry, uh, some taurine, L-theanine, uh, some magnesium, and uh, CBD. I'm taking a, a company, what's it, Seven Points. I think it's called Seven Points CBD at the moment. And that seems to be working well, other, you know, over other CBDs that I've tried in the past. You know, I'll always add something in and then remove something so I know exactly what that correlating factor is. And, I'll, you know, the usual things, keeping the room uh, up to about 66 degrees. Um, you know, I'm wearing blue light blocking glasses from a company called Blue Blocks which has a lot of scientific literature behind them. I'll wear them for uh, a good couple of hours before bed. I wear various ones, actually. I'll wear some during the day. If I'm in a gym that has a lot of bad UV lighting or uh, you know strip lights, I'll always wear the clear blue light blocking glasses uh, in the gym. So people think that maybe I'm wearing prescription glasses now. Uh, I, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually wearing them. And I make sure that I'm covered up as well because, I, you know, we have photoreceptors on our skin. So, you know, I'm not walking around in my boxer shorts and tank top in the evening with the lights on. Uh, so I make sure that I'm wearing, you know, long pajama uh, bottoms and tops to make sure that I'm completely covered there. And I'll also, I've just started now using the Juve panel in the evening because I was just using that in the morning. But I was speaking to Scott and Wes over there um this past week and they said try utilizing it in the evening because it does actually help with the release of melatonin so i just uh i did just start doing that this week as well do you ever supplement with melatonin or are you kind of on the side that if you're supplementing with it it's going to inhibit your body's natural ability to produce it yeah obviously as we get a little bit older we don't produce it as much but you know i want to try to produce it as much as i can within my natural realms and i know that if i'm exposed to blue light without the restorative uh, red light then i'm not going to produce it the only time that i'll take it like sometimes i'll microdose it you know, like 0 0.3 uh, milligrams something like that but like i'll I'll go a higher dose on it if I'm traveling. So if I'm going overseas, uh, then I'll then I'll I'll dose it a lot higher. Have you noticed your REM sleep being higher than your deep sleep with the aura ring, or is it is it pretty well neck and neck? Oh no, for sure. My REM is uh, much higher than my deep. It's my deep that I'm working on. So you know, people could look at my sleep cycle and go, "Wow, that's bad. You really need to work at things." Uh, but I've doubled my sleep over the past, what year were you now? Like four, five, five years. Um, I was in a clinic 
um, in Oldsmar, Florida, called uh, Dr. Spinog's Clinic there. I was there for quite a while, six weeks. Uh, the reason why I went there is because I had major, major problems sleeping. I'd sleep an average three hours a night uh, because I'd, I'd trained myself that way to a certain degree. And uh, I had uh, mitotoxin or mold mold spores, obviously, within my system, in my lungs. You know, some people are very sensitive, like I'm an asthmatic. Uh, some people are very sensitive mm-hmm. to uh, mold. Uh, other people would never know. You know, I can go into a whole hotel room and know pretty much instantly if there's mold in there. And uh, because I'd had exposure to mold toxins, and the doctor thinks it was when I was in India, because very humid, and I was staying in an apartment there, um, that, and because I always had this strong mentality, yeah, I'm a warrior. I can get up early. doesn't matter if I haven't had any sleep. I'm still going to the gym. And I'd use that anger as my fuel to have some fantastic workouts. But it didn't mean that I was a good person to be around. And uh, it's, you know, obviously that lack of sleep does affect your mentality. If I look back at some of the books that I wrote during that time, I'm, I think back and think, wow, who was that person? Great content, but completely different character. Um, so uh, I, you know, I tried so many different things, different protocols, different um, supplements. You know, it, I would compare my sleeping pattern then to going on like a sixteen-hour flight where you're waking up all the time, saying, "Are we there yet? Are we there?" That that was my that was my night. I'd wake up every fifteen minutes thinking, "Oh, it must be time to get up," and it wasn't. I'd only been sleeping fifteen minutes. Um, so Dr. Spinalg, uh, was, ref- I was referred to, and he was like my last resort. I had no idea what else to do after this. And it cost me a lot of money to go uh, to this clinic. So it was a, it was a risk, but a risk I was willing to take. And, uh, you know, he looked at my brain fry scan. I did like 62 blood tests on the first day and he went through everything and he discussed my characteristics the way I act, the way that I feel, like to the T, like this guy was inside my head. So I stayed there for six weeks. I was doing IV therapy, clonic hydrotherapy, taking various supplements. And uh, then, you know, I I followed that up with a protocol of home care and living a different lifestyle, obviously making sure that I stayed away from molds whenever possible. So it doesn't matter if it's winter or if it's summer, the windows open, got air purification in here. I got plenty of plants in the house, spend a lot of time outdoors as opposed to just doing my cardio in the gym and uh, various Mm -hmm. supplementation and a completely approach to my dietary protocol. So I make sure that I eat organic, humane raised, I don't take any artificial colors or flavors or, you know, any of that crap. I, I, I try to eat as clean as I possibly can. You know, I'm same with my coffee, with absolutely everything. And it's definitely, definitely helps. So my sleep protocol and the quantification helps, but it's got much, much better than, than it has. You know, I think I got about 30 minutes of uh, deep sleep last night, which may not be much for some, but it's a lot for me. I, and I, I usually get about about two hours of REM. See, it's interesting. I'm usually the exact inverse. My deep is almost always higher than my rim. Not really. Well, that's the most beneficial one, so I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. I'm curious, though, what, what um, was it your desire to, to improve your sleep and, you know, figure everything out there that led you to your nutritional protocol with, like, the ketogenic diet and the wholesome foods, or what was the catalyst there? Yeah, for sure. So uh, when I was there, I wasn't following, you know, I was following pretty much like a vegan keto diet. Uh, so, you know, it was high fat, uh, low protein, just fibrous carbs, and that was pretty much it. Um, so it definitely helped me venture into that because I came from the standard bodybuilding background and what we were brought up mm-hmm. with, the, the food pyramid, foods are bad, eat your cornflakes at breakfast sort of mentality. So uh, I was always a high carb advocate. Um, like even when I do eat carbs now, like I am going through a phase where I am eating uh, carbohydrates, but I still eat very, very low compared to what I used to because I'm just very, um, you know, I, I query the inflammatory responders, obviously eating very high protein and high carbohydrates. I eat a lot less than what I used to, but I think it's because I'm so much more efficient at taking in the foods. I look at the information of food now. Is it going to heal me? Is it going to harm me? 
as opposed to you know just looking at the macros and just shoveling it in. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not too often, man, that you see somebody like yourself that has like such a, a bodybuilding centric background, you know, gravitating towards keto. I mean, as far as the different industries are concerned, I, I feel like the bodybuilding community is going to be like the last to fully embrace ketogenic dieting as an alternative to what they're used to because it's just such a counter approach to, you know, the high carbohydrate diet and spiking your insulin to build muscle. It's just not used to, I mean, it's not like anything they've heard before. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, th th there aren't many out there, that's for sure. There's probably a lot of people that are more like the 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 men's health physiques that are following it. You know, mm -hmm. I know there's a there's a quite a few guys that are following there, but you're you're not gonna see like the IFBB pro bodybuilder following that sort of lifestyle. And it's all gonna be dependent on their training protocol as well. Like I train with a lot of volume. So then I tend to, you know, if I'm going through a phase of muscle building, purely muscle building, which I am right now, um, then I'll I'll venture more towards my carbohydrates. I'm still including the fats. Like but I didn't have any carbohydrates with my breakfast this morning. You know, I didn't fast today. I had breakfast, had some bison, had some olive oil, had some Wiley's fish oil, and uh, some, you know, I've got chickens outside. So I went and uh, had a couple of eggs as well. So, you know, I, I swap and follow it in. The times that I'm getting my carbohydrates in at the moment is purely around my workout. I'll have it before my workout um, and, and after my workout, and that's it. Have you ever played around with like a like a strict ketogenic protocol, like keeping the total carbohydrate down like less than 20 or 30 grams total uh, throughout the course of a day for an extended period of time? Uh, not during the uh, – for the course of the day, yes, I have. But like I said, it was cyclical, so what I was just I was just knocking myself out before bed, and that was it. But I haven't followed yeah. just completely because I wanted to still get my fruits, my antioxidants in there. You know, I like to have my my blueberries, my strawberries, my uh, cranberries. I, I do miss blueberries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. I have my father on a very strict uh, uh, ketogenic protocol, though. You know, he's fasting as well. And uh, he, he's followed uh, various types of diets. He's followed diets that I've suggested in the past. And, you know, you're not going to get many people that are recreational mountain bikers or you know just just people who mm -hmm. work all day that are going to eat your typical bodybuilding five or six meals little and often and i just find intermittent fasting with a cyclical keto diet or you know with a keto diet sorry not cyclical uh is just much more manageable for the majority of people so when my father started following that uh you know within the first six weeks he dropped 17 pounds and it, it kind of masks all your cravings that you'd get from a typical carbohydrate-based diet. So, uh, you know, everybody that I've got on a keto diet, within, a, a, you know, they go, they go through about a 10 to 14-day period where they may have cravings. But after that, the cravings seem to be quashed. So it seems to be much more uh, beneficial from a lifestyle perspective. From a performance standpoint alone, like not looking at how it's impacted your, your sleep, even though that, that's kind of factored into performance, but just looking at like your ability to, you know, build muscle and recover from training, have you noticed a pretty pronounced difference between when you were following a traditional, you know, bodybuilding diet of six meals a day versus the cyclical keto diet that you're on now? Uh, well, I'm not on the cyclical keto diet right now. I'm not on a cyclical keto diet right now. But in all honesty, like when I train with the amount of volume that I'm performing, I, 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 I perform better when I have the carbohydrates in there as well. So what I was doing before was a typical bodybuilder, uh, very little fats. There was fats in there for sure. I'd supplement with fats. I'd eat my steak, my salmon, uh, pretty much most days, et cetera. And, uh, but nowadays... At the moment, I'm not following a keto diet, but my carbohydrates are much, much lower and my fats are higher, much higher. And that seems to be the sweet spot for me. You know, I, I'm actually, go, you know, I started uh, going into heavy uh, weight training cycle, I'd say probably about six weeks, seven weeks ago now. And this is the best response that my body's ever had. And, you know, I'm getting longer in the tooth now as well. So I was quite surprised because last year I didn't train for quite a long time. I was following mostly an endurance aspect. And I was following, like I said, a, a cyclical keto diet then. 
but now I've found the sweet spot where I've just uh, increased the carbohydrates slightly, like I said, mostly around my workouts. And I've incorporated a lot of fats. I'm back into about five to six meals at the moment. And uh, it, it's, it's working better than it ever has in the past. So this seems to be my sweet spot. But like I said, I'm always juggling. And you know, I'm always faced with a problem where I'm eating all these meals. And you know, I'm not eating as much as I used to, that's for sure. But there's still a lot of meal frequency there. If I'm going to fast, I'm mm -hmm. going to fast on my non-training days. But if I wasn't weight training and bodybuilding the way that I am, then I'd probably follow, I'd be following a, a more of a strict keto diet uh, with uh, intermittent fasting strictly for health purposes. You know, my ultimate goal is to live you know, to 100 and be healthy and happy and seek adventure and go hiking. You know, I want to be mobile. I don't want everything that I'm doing in the gym and with my diet to harm my future. You know, I want to heal it. However, I know with the meal frequency and the high protein diet that I'm eating, you know, I could be harming it. So, you know, I'm always uh, conscious of that, and that's why I will cycle my training and cycle my diet so I can I can have a balance within that aspect. Yeah, I mean, strictly from like a hormonal standpoint, as it relates to longevity, I think making sure that you've got you know enough fat, adequate fat in your diet is is key. You know, traditional bodybuilding diets with incredibly low fat i mean that's that's just wrecking havoc on all hormones testosterone in particular it's just not not a healthy sustainable way to go about things yeah it's definitely not an anti-aging diet that you'd follow you know if you look at all the blue zones around the world you know there are you know the mediterranean diet there's plenty of fish or if you look at the blue zones in like akinawa they have uh oh, sorry olive oil uh, but in akinawa they'll have plenty of fish you know, and they'll have their mm -hmm. omega-3. So there's plenty of fat sources within all these blue zones around the world. So it's definitely something that should be implemented. Because like I said, you know, we know from the, the 80s and the food pyramid that that was kind of disregarded. And even though a lot of us at the forefront know that was just the bull, uh, there's a lot of people out there that still believe that. And, you know, they, they will have their cereals in the morning and remove their fats thinking that's going to lead to uh, heart disease or cholesterol. So it's definitely something that we need to spend more time educating the, the general consumer. Completely agree. I want to dive into your um, kind of blending of both the resistance training and hypertrophy and the endurance, um, you know, sports such as the ultra marathons. Like what, how did that come about? Most, you don't see a lot of bodybuilders that are running marathons. Here you are doing ultra marathons. So how'd that come to be? It's mostly the haters online. They, they fuel me every now and again. People say you should ignore, <laughs> ignore the haters. And I'm like, no, I love them because they, they fuel me sometimes, you know, they get me to do things uh, to the extreme. So I've always been an advocate of doing cardio uh, exercise every day. I would do it you know, twice a day, quite often. Uh, I am doing it right now, uh, twice a day. I just love doing cardio. And uh, people would often tell me, you can't be a bodybuilder and do all this cardio. You've got to retain your calories. But I, the reason why I did it was, number one, of course, the most important muscle is your heart. It's not the peak of your biceps. So I want to work my heart yeah. every day. And, you know, I, I was trying to overcome asthma for the majority of my life. So I wanted to ensure that I was fit as possible so I didn't endure any asthma attacks. Uh, but more so, I just felt that I recovered from my workouts so much better when I do cardio. You know, I, instead of walking around stiff all day and feeling like I'm 88 years old because I've had a crazy leg workout, if I'd forced myself to do some form of cardio, that I found that my muscle tissue was so much more subtle, I was a little bit more mobile, versatile. But the blood transportation of nutrients to those localized areas would enhance my recovery. So I'd find that I was able to punish my body so much more because my recovery was uh, dictated by my cardio. So I'd always suggest that, uh, but when people kept on telling me that I'm wasting my time, I shouldn't do that, uh, especially when I put out a lot of books or programs on it, so I thought, okay, well, I'll just take this to the extreme then. I'll uh, go. I'll give myself six months to get ready for uh, a full Ironman and uh, I'll continue to train as a bodybuilder and I won't lose any muscle. So I went to the labs uh, at the university in the beginning to get all my tests done, whether that be uh, lactate threshold, FTP, DEXA scan, everything. 
And uh, I showed over a six-month period that I actually put on muscle. However, I wasn't training like a typical uh, triathlete. I actually did a, a, an Olympic distance and a half Ironman uh, and a full Ironman in that six months. And um, the reason being is that I didn't eat or supplement like a triathlete. I ate and supplemented like a bodybuilder on a, on a massive bulk. And I'd utilize mm-hmm. my bodybuilding weight training. Even though I, I changed my weight training a, a quite a lot, I started utilizing unilateral movements. I was doing things that fueled the haters even more, such as squats on a BOSU ball, because I got very skinny ankles and I'd torn the tendons in them many times. So it has strengthened uh, those areas up, et cetera, pistol squats, you know, you name it. But like after like a crazy leg session, I would then go and do my run. So instead of doing a typical long and slow endurance run for say 12 miles, I'd only do six miles. Uh, so I'd use my workouts as my pre-fatigue. If I had a you know a big back workout, then I'm going swimming. But instead of doing my you know 4,000 meters, maybe I'm only doing 1,500, 2,000 meters. Uh, so I was efficient within my workouts. The only time that I would go long and slow would be a weekend. So on a non-training day, like say on a Sunday, okay, I'm going for an 80 or 100 mile bike ride or a 12 mile run. You know, but uh, that was the only time that I did it. So the reason why I did it is because of being fueled by uh, a lot of people saying that it couldn't be done. But then I found myself addicted to it. You know, I loved the community of endurance athletes, great people. I loved doing the actual events uh, because, you know, just participating in one of those events, seeing people with disabilities of all ages and the professionals all on one track competing together is just amazing. Uh, so then I plugged myself into the local uh, ultra marathon community and decided to do uh, ultra marathon as well because I preferred that because all the running is off road and that's what was much preferable to me and my joints. And I just loved being outdoors in the hills away from electrical devices, the EMF, and uh, just having your own thoughts. And I'd use that as my active meditation, just listening to the sound of the nature, the birds, the sound of your feet. And uh, I found that my stress levels definitely decreased and my sleep uh, efficiency increased because now, you know, I, I was a little bit more relaxed. I'm getting more vitamin D from the sun. A restorative red light, and uh, I just felt better. So uh, I decided, okay, I need to see how I can allow both of these areas of my life to evolve with one another, and that's what I've continued to do. So uh, it's something that I get a great pleasure out of because if I'm working at an expo on a booth, having people come up to me and showing me before and after pictures of their transformation is phenomenal. I love that. But seeing people come up now with their Ironman trophy or their medal, I should say, and say, hey, I just did a, I just did a marathon, a half marathon, a 10K or a triathlon or an Ironman because I started following you really does, you know, it, it is humbling because it, that's, that is hard work. It is tough. And you know they just can't, you know, they just can't fake that. So uh, it's really given me the pleasure and purpose to, you know, kind of turn some people's impossibilities into uh, possibilities. I really appreciate that, man. You know, I don't know where the whole stigma against running came from. If you're a bodybuilder or lifting hard, if you're a runner, you know, I don't know where that originated. But the more people I know and speak with, such as yourself, and I've had several other guests on the podcast that do both, and they do great with both. It's not like anyone's hindering the other. It's like they have a positively compounding effect in which both benefit. And I, you know, saw that, I recognized that, and I started to incorporate that myself. Like I ran that marathon without any training. I've been running on a regular basis, um, you know, obviously still lifting like a bodybuilder. And it's just, it's great. Like I haven't noticed any decrease in strength. As you mentioned, I feel like my, my recovery has improved because I'm, I've got better, you know, metabolic pathways, better nutrient delivery, just better everything. And not only that, but from a psychological standpoint, when you're out there running, like you have time to, that's when I listen to my podcast, that's when I listen to an audiobook. that's when I meditate. It's like, it's such a disconnect that is different from the re- resistance training, but both have such a profound positive impact on my life as a whole. My sleep is better. 
I think if anybody's kind of on the fences to not wanting to jump into the other because they're afraid it's going to hinder their, you know, gain, so to speak, and, and their primary focus to just do it and go for it and recognize that there's no no negative effect that's going to come from it. Yeah, exactly. If they want to do both, then obviously they're just going to have to be prepared that they're going to have to eat a lot more calories if they want to participate in both to allow for your recovery. You know, when I go out with some of these other triathletes, you know, some of them are phenomenal. Uh, but, you know, I look at the amount of power wattage that they're pushing when they're going up a hill compared to mine. I'm like, wow, that's completely different. No wonder you're only eating a couple of gels and some water. You know, I've got my protein powder and carbohydrate drink in my bottles. I've got a backpack with food. You know, I have to take a lot more stops, but I don't mind that. I don't mind it because it allows me to do both. You know, I, I look a little bit different to the typical endurance athlete, and I'm fine with that. I'm good with that. But to actually, you know, I'm not here to try to win anything in either. Um, I'm just here to enjoy it and participate it. And, you know, I think the one thing that, I love about it as well is that you could do that when you're 80, 90 years old. You see people doing it. So uh, if, if you can kind of, you know, connect with, you know, your future purpose and passion, again, it gives you more drive to, to continue down that path. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, I just recognize that, you know, life is finite and there's these, there's so many different activities that I wanted to participate in. Like I wanted to go run or hike or, you know, take up boxing or just whatever. And I always felt I always hesitated before because I felt like it would distract me from, you know, my ultimate goal from the bodybuilding. But once I realized that, you know, it doesn't really hinder it and there's just more to life than any one specific thing. Like specialization is, you know, not the direction I want to go. I wanted to have a pretty overarching understanding and respect for a multitude of different activities. And I mean, that just makes life more fun. So just jumping out and doing it, it's worthwhile. Um, I wanted to dive into supplementation, man. Since you own Cage Muscle, it makes sense to ask you, pick your brain a little bit there. What are some, you know, supplements that, that you've incorporated over the years that you've found to have a, an actual measurable impact over time? Like there's a lot of bad supplements out there that are overly hyped and, and not really worth the money. What are some things that you find to be true and productive and useful? Yeah, well, well, like I like I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm very particular. I've become quite the coffee snob, <laughs> so uh, you know, I make sure that you know I, I'm not drinking energy drinks or any pre workouts that has like cheap forms of synthetic caffeine. So, you know, I wanted to ensure that all of our products have like uh, an organic caffeine. I just find the energy that you get from it is so much more sustained. It isn't designed in a lab to get you anxious and jacked and wired. Because I'm kind of an anxious person anyway, so uh, I'd, I'd always prefer to have something that's a little bit more sustained like that. Um, and, you know, th the, the majority of the people, people in the industry know, but uh, a lot of the, the public don't know that the majority of the single form amino acids, such as your branch chain amino acids and your glutamine, your essential amino acids, are all derived from synthetic materials, and those that uh, the way that they are derived is usually with harsh chemicals or heat, and they are from like animal fur, bird feathers, or human hair. And you know, this is what we're supplementing with, and this is supposed to be the quote-unquote health and fitness industry. Um, so I ensure that all of our ingredients are fermented. It, it, you know, of course, it takes more resources and. I work on a very sharp margin, but you know, as we keep referring to, purpose is where where it lies. So it makes me feel good that I can do a podcast or I can do a, a seminar. I don't feel like I'm trying to sell something here. I'm just telling you guys, you know, straight up what's in it. But the the number one thing that has worked for me, as of more recent, I'd say, and I'd say that when I say recent, like the last year, is essential amino acids. Now, people say. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what's better, BCAAs or EAAs? Well, they, I use both, but I use them at, you know, completely different times for diff completely different purposes. You know, BCAA is going to be a little bit more for muscle energy, give you an insulin spike, whereas the essential amino acids are more for muscle protein synthesis. So I generally drink my supplements throughout the day like a drip feed in a typical meathead gallon jug where I'll put the, either my essential amino acids or another product that we've got called HydroCharge, which is just an electrolyte drink. 
with antioxidants. So it's a spectral blend of antioxidants. Obviously, we deal with a lot of free radical damage, uh, especially if we're active individuals. So that's a flavoring system. And I'll add my creatine to it, my glutamine, my BCAAs, my high, uh, my uh, citrulline. And I'll just drink that throughout the day because I'm not one of these people that's going to, well, not anymore, that's going to go, okay, it's 7 o'clock in the morning, got to take my glutamine. It's midday, got to take it again. Uh, so I just drink it throughout the day. And one of the more exciting products, I'd say for me personally, is something that we uh, released about six months ago. We partnered with a company called Anabio, their labs in uh, Ireland, and they created the world's first completely soluble uh, creatine monohydrate. I've never been able to take creatine monohydrates uh, because it's always upset mm -hmm. my stomach. I just could not, uh, you know, the osmality is pretty inferior, so I could just never, uh, and the permeability, sorry, uh, I could never uptake those particle sizes. So the, the negatives would outweigh the benefits. So what they've actually done is uh, they've encapsulated it with like a dairy-based membrane that encapsulates the particles. So it's completely soluble in water. So it'll pass your gut, in, uh, pass the, uh, the gut into the, uh, the intestines into the, the, the gut and for allowed to be absorbed. Uh, without any of that stomach upset. So if you stir it into some water for a few seconds, it completely dissolves. So uh, I was really happy when uh, we, were, we were able to release that with Anabio because, uh, you know, up until now, I've just never been able to take it. So that's uh, that's uh, pretty much, I'd say, the, the most exciting product that, that we've released right now, both the, the EAAs and, uh, and the creatine. And the, the EAAs, by the way, the company who provides us with that is uh, Ajinomoto. They're about 100 years old, and they provide about 65% of the hospitals in the U.S. with the amino acids that you'll find in IV therapy, a very high pharmaceutical grade. So we actually have uh, the, the, the EAAs supplied by Ajinomoto, which is, uh, which is pretty cool, pretty high-end. Very nice. And and what was the name of that creatine you said? It's again? called Crea Clear. Crea Clear is the creatine monohydrate, and uh, Amino Synergy is uh, the essential amino acids. And what about the electrolyte formula? What's the what's the ratios on that? That's hydrocharge. Hydrocharge. So hydrocharge doesn't have any amino acids or anything like that. That is specifically designed as being your flavoring system. So it's naturally, naturally, all of our you know formulations are naturally flavored, naturally colored, all adherent to the Prop 65 Act of heavy metal contaminants, third-party tested, informed sports and informed choice of banned substances. But it's just um, electrolytes and antioxidants. Like I said, it's got a spectral blend of antioxidants in there. And uh, and you just use that as your flavoring system because like I'm sure if you've tried like unflavored BCAAs, they smell and taste like yeah, death. Yeah, they're really bad. Yeah. So this is designed like Brian Rand, our formulator, is an absolute genius when it comes to formulating and, and flavoring. Like you, you'd never, you'd never know that these products are naturally flavored. Like we've got a plant-based protein coming out uh, in a couple of months, and the flavoring that he's done to that is is just phenomenal. But anyway, so you use that as your flavoring system to add your single form amino acids to. And, uh, you know, you could drink that all in one shot or throughout the day. But then, you know, there's a lot of other people who just do not drink enough water. Like my father just does not drink enough water. I mean, most people in the UK just drink tea and think that's hydrating. So he'll just drink it by, its, yeah. by itself. So uh, you can just have it as a flavoring system instead of, you know, like a crystal light or, you know, and, you know, a sugary drink. Yeah, that's that's what I do with my electrolyte powder currently. I'll just have you know one scoop of that in a jug of water, and I'll have that repeatedly throughout the day to just ensure that my electrolytes are on par and that I'm getting enough fluids in. A lot of people today just don't have enough minerals in their in their diet. Mm -hmm. You know, they're definitely depleted. They look at hydration as water, and when they drink more and more water, sometimes evidently they're dehydrating themselves. I, you know, you know. There's, again, there's the old stigma of, amongst bodybuilders shouldn't have any sodium because it's going to lead to fluid retention. I put fluid, uh, sorry, sodium on all of my meals, and I suggest my clients 
uh, to, to have them on their meals as well. You know, the, the clients that I work with just to ensure that they're getting a good sodium balance within their diet, especially, you know, if considering my clients are active individuals, they're, uh, they're sweating a lot and dependent on where that person lives. If they live in a humid part of the world, whether it be Texas or Mumbai or, you know, the north of uh, Australia, then they'll have to, you know, make sure that they're getting in plenty of minerals within their diet. And, you know, it's obviously it's a, it's a big thing that is, is missing in today's society. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've got, uh, I've got one more big question for you, man. And I don't normally ask this, but I'm intrigued to ask it because you have such a diverse background. You've seen so many things. You've done so many things. You've been all over. And you, you came from humble beginnings. I'm curious, what, what, um, what was the, the most profound like, moment of adversity in your life that had such a, a catapulting effect on the trajectory of your life? Okay. Yeah, well, that, that's an easy one for me. Um, obviously, you know, it's, it's never easy to deal with death in the family or anything like that, but I'm not going to focus on that. But uh, I actually wrote about this in one of my books. It's kind of a motivational uh, memoir. And uh, what happened is when I first came over to the US, uh, or, or I'd been here for a little while, uh, the, law the immigration lawyer that I had uh, had not filed for my extension to be here. So unbeknownst to me, uh, I was about to be an illegal immigrant. I was like five days away, we found out. Uh, the lawyers at bodybuilding.com actually found out uh, for me because there was something fishy. They were asking for some information. He wasn't handed over. He hadn't filed for my extension. So then I had no choice but to leave the country, leave my house, leave my pets, uh, everything, and just get out with the hope that we would get a waiver to come back into the country and it'd be relatively easy and straightforward. Did not work out to be that way at all. So uh, we had to foreclose the house. We had to give away our pets. My parents had to fly over here uh, and move everything out of the house and put it into storage. And it was just an absolute, you know, terrible part of the life, uh, you know, because I had a great job over here. I'd worked so hard to get away from Wales. You know, I love Wales, by the way. I don't want to sound like I'm hating on it. But, you know, based on my career path, and my opportunities, it was definitely here that I, I wanted to be. And that was all taken away from me. And it took me about, I think it's two years, two years to get my visa to be allowed back into the country. And that was probably the biggest form of adversity that I'd been hit with, you know, just working so hard all my life and then just losing everything. You know, uh, like I said, we wow. built a life, built a, a life here and friends and whatever, but I just kept persisting and working at it. And, you know, you, and that's one thing that I just keep telling people when people ask for advice, I just say consistency and persistence, because there's going to be times that you're not going to want to do it. You're going to feel tired. You'll be lethargic. You'll be invited to a social gathering. There'll be a death in a family. You'll be hit hard. Life throws curveballs, but you have to be consistent and consistent and rely upon your discipline, whether you get that from the gym or elsewhere, uh, because that will carry you through. You know, you will look back on those times as a, a lesson that is learned. At that time, though, you will not. You will be emotionally charged and you have to just learn to kind of put those emotions aside and, uh, and, and persist. Since, I mean, you worked so hard to get, to the point you were and then had it all just stripped from you seemingly overnight. I mean, is it hard for you to like relax at all, so to speak now? Or are you always in kind of like in the back of your mind thinking that everything you've worked for can just be taken from you again and you kind of guard against that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's no doubt about it. You know, I'll be good for my citizenship when I'm el eligible, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah, I'm always thinking about that, especially as I'm becoming to be a bigger target now, you know, in the supplement foray, because you always get companies and trolls out there always looking for something to tie something, might, you know, maybe like this conversation that we're having about ketogenic diets. And uh, for instance, if we were to talk about how we could fix an ailment, then they could somehow link that to a supplement. And it, it's crazy, like I've seen and heard about a lot of these court action cases 
where a CEO of a supplement company gets to, to take, take in a court for something that's just so innocent. So I'm very, very careful and cautious about that now. Everything that I used to say about supplementation, I don't really say as much now. You know, maybe the video that I talk about 20 minutes about an ingredient is now cut down to eight minutes. Uh, because I just have to be very, very mm -hmm. careful about structure function claims and how something could be uh, confused with another or assumed. So I'm very, very cautious of that, yeah, that everything could be taken away in a split second. It is mind-boggling to me, man, how how so many people have just this negativity inside themselves that would be willing to just strip away from people that have worked so hard. It's like if they're not seeing any success, they just want to take it from others, man. So I... I, I get where you're coming from there. It's unfortunate. I think the best thing that, that you and I, anybody else can do is just do in your heart what you know to be right and then sleep with a guilt-free conscience and know that you're putting forth your best effort every day and then let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's kind of why I put out these books. Yeah, I like writing my books because they are very therapeutic. You know, just like weight training, writing is therapeutic for me. But I just think, okay, I am just going to put out content now that I wish somebody put out for me so I can kind of navigate my way through life and learn from people's, mis uh, you know, someone else's mistakes and whatever. So, you know, I've made mistakes along the way. So I'll express that so people hopefully can navigate or learn from it. And, uh, you know, like I, I always say, just if this book is something that isn't applicable to you, then that's fine. That's the, you know, you, you just throw it away. That's the same as what I do. But usually there's a couple of pages or a chapter at the very least that you can apply and uh, put it in your own backpack of life and uh, move forward with it. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, hopefully I can help a few people along the way. Speaking of books, man, you get another one coming out soon, don't you? Yes, I have one coming out at uh, the end of the month, and that's called Man of Iron. So, of course, I get a lot of people asking in regards to how they can combine bodybuilding or strength training with endurance, and you know, which is hybrid athleticism. So, I put it all in a book in regards to you know training, nutrition, lifestyle application, recovery, quantification. And uh, that is, I've got the launch on the 30th, 30th of this month uh, here in uh, Boise, actually. Uh, but the book will be coming out at the end of, yeah, at the end of this month. I'll be the, 30, uh, the 28th, I believe, of April. And uh, yeah, it's on Amazon. It's on Amazon right now for pre-sale. Very nice. And then you can just type in Man of Iron, that'll pop up? Yeah, put in Man of Iron, Chris Gethin, and uh, it'll, it, it'll pop up there. Perfect. Perfect. Well, where else can uh, people go to find out more about you, man? Like what are your social channels, your website platform? Yeah, for sure. So uh, people can find me on my Instagram. That's usually the best place uh, for, to people to find me. So that's K-R-I-S-Gethin, G-E-T-H-I-N. And, uh, you know, if you want to find out anything about uh, the supplement brand, that's Caged Muscle. And my own uh, personal website is called Health Kick. Uh, but that's spelt a little bit different uh, to your usual health kick. Uh, it's health, H-E-A-L-T-H, -E and then kick is K-I-K dot com, and that's where you can find everything about me. Very cool. I'll definitely link out to those in the show notes so people can easily find you. Chris, again, man, I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate the time. I've learned a ton, and I really admire the story, man. Like you, I've had several guests on the podcast. They've all got their own unique story, but I mean, yours, yours has just gone from one end of the spectrum to the other, and there's all kinds of hurdles in between, man. So it's 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 pretty inspiring to say the least. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that, and I appreciate you having me uh, on the show. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been listening to your show for quite a while. It's accompanied me for uh, plenty of my cardio sessions, so it's great to finally uh, be on here. And uh, hopefully, this is uh, just the beginning of the story as well. There's a lot more to come. Absolutely. Well, definitely let me know if there's anything I can do to help you, man. I mean, anything I can do, I feel like our, our visions are somewhat aligned. So definitely don't hesitate to reach out. A sure thing and vice versa. Of course, I'm always here. All right, Chris. Well, until next time, brother. Have a good one, man.